Uh, well, it's good to be together this morning. In case we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Pastor Josh. I am the lead pastor here at West States Community Church, and it is good to be able to gather and just want to say thanks for joining us. Uh, earlier this week, we sent a, an email and we posted a blog post just giving an update about what's going on in our student ministries right now, and I just wanted to spend a few minutes talking about that before we get into our teaching time this morning. Um, and you know what? There are some exciting things happening here at West Heights, and I really, this morning, we just need to look around and realize that this time last year, there was not any we're close to this many people in this room. Like, this is encouraging. There are good things that are happening, and, and uh, we are excited about that. We also, you know, in our student ministries, there's some good things going on. Junior high, I, there's no other way of putting this that our junior high group is booming. There were 17 kids here last time we did junior high, and it didn't even smell that bad, actually. Like, it was pretty, it was a lot of fun. And then we had 14 of them go to our junior high retreat with, with six excellent parents and leaders who volunteered their time to go on the junior high retreat weekend a few weeks ago and like there's some good stuff going on in our student ministry especially in our junior high group and you know what as a church leadership we are committed to investing in this ministry and so one of the things that we have uh, we're talking about again this month is we want to hire for a direct for the position of director of student ministries now if you're keeping score at home this is the third, this is the fourth time that we've posted for this position the th we've posted for this position three other times in the last 12 months and to be honest, it hasn't gone so well, okay? We have had some encouraging conversations with some folks, but they never ended with hiring somebody, to, and to be honest. And uh, that, I think right now, is not a reflection of us as a church community, but if you are a part of trying to recruit and hire in your industry right now, you will know that this is difficult. And so across the board, people are struggling to find good people for their positions, and that seems to be, have been our experience as well, too. A couple of the people that we had conversations with that we thought were really great, you know, for some really good personal reasons, this wasn't going to work out for them, and they made that decision, um, and we respect that. And so here we are. We are here in, in October, end of October 2022, and once again, as a leadership, we've said, we, this is important to us. We are going to post this position again, and we did that this week. Now, when we took a bit of a break before, uh, at the end of June, we took a bit of a break and we reflected on what our needs were all over again. And one of the things that we decided at that point was um, we were going to take the young adult portion of that job and we asked Pastor Shar to take that on. And she's done that and done that quite well. And so in recognition to that, we actually expanded the number of hours that uh, Pastor Shar works you know, for here at the church and we, in recognition of her leadership and her commitment. And we just want to say, go Shar, go. You're doing a great job with that. And so the position that we posted this week was for 30 hours a week, and its focus is on junior high and senior high students. And, uh, you know, we're just looking and praying that God would bring us to the right person. And so this is where I'm hoping, we're hoping that you can help us in this, okay? Because fourth time's the charm, right? That's the saying, right? That's going to be the saying. <laughs> uh, we're hoping you can help. One, by praying for this. We have this posting up for the month of November. And hoping that we can have some conversations in the meantime with some good people. Could you be praying that we would find good people and good people would find us? That would be something that you can be praying for. The other thing is, can you share this news far and wide? Okay, so we've got this posted on, I think I've lost track, at least nine different places. Any place that I can think to post this job up and a person to send it out to, we've done that. Um, but you might know somebody 
or know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who would be the right person for this job. And so we're asking that if you would be willing to share it, send the email out to some of your contacts or post it on social media or whatever, just be thinking about this as you're interacting with the people in your networks and be, you know, if there's a possibility that somebody might know somebody who might be a really good fit for this, we'd love to have a conversation with them. And so, uh, Please, you can help us out with this by praying and by, uh, you know, be keeping your eyes and your ears open for somebody who might be a good fit and then directing them to us because we'd love to have those conversations. Anyways, there's a lot of good stuff to be excited about here at West Heights. And this is one thing that's going well and we want to invest in because there's some good things here and there's a lot of potential. And so we care about our students. We want to invest in our students and this is just one way that we are doing that. And so thank you for helping us with that. As we prepare for our teaching time this morning, can we just uh, pause together and have a short word of prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for today. And Lord, thank you for bringing us together and for the opportunity to worship and to focus on who you are and, and, and what you have done in our lives and what you are doing in the world around us. Lord, we do recognize, as Michelle already said, that for some of us, we're coming to this place with some heaviness and with things that aren't quite going as well as we want them to be. We want them to be. And so, God, we just ask this morning that you would meet us as you already have. Meet us in those places of, of hurt. Meet us in those places of doubt. Lord, meet us in those places where we're just not sure what we think about life and faith. And, Lord, would we be able to experience you this morning and in the week to come in a way that is just real? that we can grab onto and hold tightly to. Lord, we're grateful for the ministries that are happening here at West Heights, for the good things that are going on in house church groups, the good things that are going on in our kids' ministry, uh, downstairs right now, Lord, for the things that are going on on Thursday nights with our students, and, and just, Lord, for the many ways that you are using West Heights people to engage in your kingdom work in this community, whether it be an official West Heights thing or not. God, you are doing good things, and so, God, we want to be a part of that. And so, Lord, help us to be just aware of how you are moving and how we can be, you know, we can be used by you to accomplish the things that you want to see accomplished in this world. And, Lord, this morning, as we just talked a little bit about student ministries, we just pray together that, that you would lead us to the right person, the person who might be able to lead and engage our students in some really good ways, God. We have an awesome group of youth leaders, and, God, for them, we are grateful and Lord, we just uh, are asking that you would help just uh, help us lead this ministry and that we may be able to help our students find and follow you in, some, in ways that make sense in the world that they live in. Lord, thank you for what you are doing and for your heart for the next generation. Now, God, as we turn uh, into our teaching time this morning, we just ask that you would give us an ability to, to listen to what you might want to say to us in the places that we are in this week. In your name we pray. Amen. In uh, college, I worked a couple different jobs. They were both in retail. And one of my favorite retail jobs was one that I got to sell shoes because I got to make some commission. That was kind of fun. Now, one of the things that I learned when, uh, pretty quickly was that as a salesperson, I had, I had a couple choices as to what kind of salesperson I was going to be. I could be a salesperson who tries, the shoes, tries to sell shoes. Well, that kind of tries to sell shoes as quickly as possible, and in the process, I could come across as being pushy, or I could be a salesperson who takes my time and gets to know my customers, even if it took a little bit longer and maybe it didn't make as many sales as quickly. I could be that kind of salesperson. 
Now, over the years, I have worked with a, a number of different salespeople in a number of different industries, and while they all have the same goal in, their mi in mind, you know, how they accomplish their goal seems to matter and can differ quite a bit, can it? I mean, there was that car salesman that clearly just wanted to see, seal the deal. And it kind of was like that. And as a result, the whole process just felt rushed. And we couldn't help feeling like we were getting manipulated into making a decision that we really wasn't in our best interest. In contrast, we worked with someone who helped us buy our, our, our house who seemed like, you know what, they could have cared less if we ever bought a house for them. They just wanted us to find something that was right for our family. And the conversations were warm, and they were friendly, it felt relational, and it felt natural. Now, in both of these circumstances, both of these experiences, the goal was the same. It was to sell things. But the one who stood out was the, per was the person who didn't make it seem forced, but who seemed invested and seemed genuine. And those are the qualities that made us want to work with that individual and would want, make us want to work with that individual again. Now, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we, have, we do have a purpose. We have a mission given to us by Jesus to go and to make disciples. Now, as a local church community, we have phrased it this way. We, we say that we are about helping people find and follow Jesus. That is our way of phrasing Jesus' great commission. And that is why we exist. But how we live out this mission is important. Because we could be pushy and manipulative, but let's be honest, people see through this and they find it kind of icky, don't they? Or we can recognize that our mission isn't just about what we do, so much as about who we are. And as we learn to be who God has called us to be as followers of Jesus, we will point people to Jesus in the process. And this brings us to what we started talking about last week when we, in this short sermon series called What Moves Us, as we talk about what motivates us to engage in acts of compassion and generosity and Halloween for Hunger is just one example of something that we do as a church community. It's not the only thing that we do, but it's one, exa one example. And last week we talked about how helping others is not about getting a desired response, but is about living out who God has called us to be. See, when we act compassionately, one of the things that we are doing is we are pointing people to God in the process. Now, to be clear, we don't do compassionate things because we're trying to manipulate people into following Jesus. Rather, and this is our big idea this morning, when we are compassionate, we point people to Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the life and teachings of Jesus uh, to help us understand this, as well as some of the responses that we might get as we act, as we engage in, in doing compassionate things in the lives of others. And we're going to follow some of the examples of Jesus, the responses that Jesus gets um, in the book of Matthew this morning. Now, if we were to take the time to read through the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount you find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if we took the time to read that, we would be, find ourselves reading an invitation by Jesus to see, to see a new way of engaging life and, a, and an invitation for us to be learning uh, the patterns of the kingdom of God and applying those to our lives. And what we would likely realize pretty quickly is that the ways of the kingdom that, that Jesus talks about, they seem backwards. They seem upside down to what we are used to in our daily lives. But the message of Jesus is that because Jesus has come, that this upside down or more properly termed right side up way of life is coming into reality that God is bringing this kingdom of God way into reality and we get to be a part of it. 
And the Sermon on the Mount is inviting people like us to follow Jesus into this new thing that God is doing. And so to summarize, if we were to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we would hear about how Jesus talks about how our attitude towards others matter to the point that, hey, hatred is equated to murder. He talks about what does it mean to be truly faithful. He talks about what does it mean to actually tell the truth. He talks about how we are to relate to people that we might consider our enemies. He talks about how we are to respond to the attitude that we are to have when we respond to the practical needs of others. He talks about what does it mean to practice spirituality, to be a religious person. What does that mean? He talks about our concerns about the future and the temptation to to be consumeristic. He talks about judging others and he talks about forgiveness. There's a lot of stuff there in three chapters of scripture that is intensely practical and rich. And as Jesus explores these things, he says this to his disciples. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, as Jesus is introducing his followers to everything that he's going to say about the kingdom of God, he wants them to realize that their interactions with other people matter. That in how they choose to apply Jesus' teaching to their lives, that they are introducing others to the life and love of God. Now again, the Sermon on the Mount is about the, is about the kingdom of God, and it's an invitation to be a part of the life of the kingdom. It's about who we are and who we are becoming as followers of Jesus. And so Jesus teaches us that others will notice when the ways of the kingdom become a part of who we are. And this includes acts of compassion. One of the simple joys in my life is to start a fire in our wood stove that we have in our basement. It's one of, the, one of my most favorite things to do, um, and I find it tremendously relaxing. And this, this week, as I was doing this, I found myself thinking about how did I learn how to build you know, a, a fire in this wood stove? And I found myself thinking about uh, my dad and about how my dad you know, would sit down and he'd show me how do you build a fire in the fireplace that we had in the one house that we, we lived in growing up. Now, as a kid, I just wanted to grab matches and to light something on fire, okay? And I was really good at that part of things. Uh, and so, of course, the teaching time included fire safety and how not to burn down the house. Um, but there was more to it than that. See, when you light a fire in a fireplace or in a wood stove, there's other things to take, you take into consideration, right? There's, your t- chimney can't be cold. And there's airflow. You have to consider airflow of all things because if you don't, your fire is not going to start and you're going to smoke out your house. Your basement's going to be full. Your house is going to be full of smoke. And so it's a bit of a science to it. Now, when my dad taught me these things, he didn't just sit down and be like, okay, let me tell you about the science behind how to build a fire and describe it to me. No. What he did is he, he, he then showed me and talked me through everything that he did before I was allowed to then try it myself. See, teaching sticks when it's not just talked about, but it's demonstrated. And this is what we see happening in the, in the chapters following the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, Matthew spends two chapters recounting Jesus, Jesus performing a whole variety of miracles. And I think what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to understand that Jesus is moving from telling people about the kingdom of God to showing people what the kingdom of God looks like and how it changes things. And he, go, he moves from this, I'm going to tell you, to I'm going to show you, and, and immediately following the I'm going to show you, he actually sends the disciples out so they can go do it themselves. 
And so as we look at how Jesus demonstrates the kingdom of God through his miracles, you know, Jesus then, uh, we, we see Jesus responding, or people responding to Jesus in a couple different ways. And we're going to focus on that this morning. You know, Jesus has talked about the kingdom of God. Now he's going to show them what it looks like. And then we're going to see how people respond to that. And the first point that we want to look at this morning is that our acts of compassion can inspire questions that become a part of the spiritual journey of others. Acts of compassion can inspire questions that can become a part of the spiritual journey of others. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter uh, 8, and we're going to read a couple of verses starting at verse 23. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The, the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So many of us will be familiar with this story. You know, Jesus and his friends are traveling by boat, and Jesus decides he needs, to, he, he needs a rest, and he falls asleep. And as Jesus is sleeping, a storm comes up, and Jesus is still sleeping, and everybody else is pretty sure they're going to die. And so they wake up Jesus, and Jesus gets up, and he speaks to the wind, wind and the waves, and the storm becomes calm. And in this moment, Jesus is embodying the peace of the kingdom of God. That the chaos and the uncertainty that threatens so much of our lives is no match for Jesus and will one day be submitted to, his, to him as the Prince of Peace. And the response of those on board is that they are amazed. And the question that they ask is, what kind of man is this? Or who is this guy? What is going on here? You know, as we follow Jesus and as we seek to allow his compassion for others to be a part of our lives... One of the responses that we may get are questions because our compassion will stand out as being different from the norm. You know, why are we involved in that person's life? Why would we choose to make the sacrifices that we do? Why do we prioritize our time the way that we do? Why would we stop to help that individual or why would we give ourselves to that cause? For the disciples, the question about who Jesus is is very much a part of their spiritual journey of discovering who Jesus is and what Jesus is about and what does it mean to be a part of his kingdom. For us, our acts of compassion can likewise inspire questions that can lead others to want to know more. It can be a part of their spiritual journey. Second point this morning is that our acts of compassion may be, may be viewed as being disruptive. You know, following the story of Jesus calming the storm, immediately following in Matthew's gospel, Jesus arrives at a place where there are two men who are demon-possessed and they're very violent because they are demon-possessed. And Jesus sees these men as being oppressed and he casts the demons out by sending them into a herd of pigs and then the demons drive the herd of pigs off a cliff and into the sea and they die. Now, on one level, this story is about how compassion moves Jesus to set people free from the powers that, that imprison them. But on another level, this story is about how some people are not able to see an act of compassion for what it is. You know, those who are watching the pigs, 
they rush back and they tell everybody in town what has happened. And when the locals come to meet Jesus, they aren't thrilled. Instead, they ask Jesus to leave. Matthew puts it this way. The whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their, their region. You know, it appears that, that for some folks here, all they can see is the money that was lost in this herd of pigs. And I think we can appreciate that. We can appreciate there was a loss, a material loss that somebody had here. Their livelihood had suddenly taken a, a dip. That's a bad joke. It wasn't even in my notes. But their livelihood had somehow taken a hit. But the contrast is clear. They care more about the economic impact than the freedom that these two men received from Jesus. And because Jesus was disrupting their lives, they couldn't see or appreciate the freedom for what it was. You know, as we follow Jesus and we seek to allow his compassion to be a, 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 a compassion for others to be a part of our lives, we may encounter folks who, whose responses are similar. You know, a little while ago, I was talking to Jeff Wilmer, who's our board chair here at West Heights, and one of the projects that, that Jeff is involved with that's not related to West Heights is with A Better Tent City, which is an organization in our region that, that does some good work um, providing creative and stable housing for those who otherwise would be homeless. And over the last few years, they've had to move sites a few times. And one of the issues that they keep running into as they look at new locations is the concern by nearby neighbors about the disruption that this community might cause them. Now, on one level, we can certainly understand their concerns, can't we? But on another level, that concern seems to ignore the needs that are being met through this creative project. Now, a better intensity is a bigger project than many of us might be involved with. But maybe it helps us illustrate that, that we shouldn't, about how we shouldn't be surprised when our acts of compassion rub people the wrong way or are viewed as disrupting the status quo. Over the last year, our kids have started to get involved in youth sports again as the you know, pandemic stuff has changed. And uh, we've, kids have done soccer and they've done basketball this year. And uh, particularly for my youngest, who's five, the purpose of these sports really has not, nothing to do with being a great ba soccer player or basketball player or any sort of like wonderful academic prow uh, uh, athletic prowess or great competition. But it's really about introducing the sport to children and, and, and helping them have a positive experience in hopes that this positive experience would turn into a lifelong love of the game. In a way, this is sort of what our acts of compassion can do for others. That our acts of compassion can be an introduction to God for some folks. And so our third point this morning is that our acts of compassion are opportunities for others to see God for themselves. You know, what's interesting about Jesus' experience is that after he heals the demon-possessed man and the people in town tell him to go away, he does. He goes away. He gets back in the boat, and he, he kind of goes back home. And we, we find this again in, in Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read a little bit more here. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? 
Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. There's a lot of good stuff in this passage here. Um, But for our purposes this morning, we're going to pay attention to what Jesus does. And that he heals the man and he offers forgiveness for sins. You know, everything that Jesus is doing in this scene here is about pointing people to God. And pointing people to what God was doing through Jesus. And in how the people responded, we see that they were getting it. Matthew just tells us that they were filled with awe and they gave praise to God. In other words, they recognized what they were seeing and they were responding accordingly. They, were, they saw that there's something, God, there's something God-like happening here. God is doing something special and they responded accordingly. You know, as we follow Jesus and we seek to allow his compassion for others to be a part of our lives, one of the things that we are doing is giving others an opportunity to experience what God is like for themselves. Sometimes when we talk about God, you know, sometimes when we share God with others, it can come across kind of factual or kind of intellectual as we, we talk about this, this is God's character and we talk about things and we, we try to describe things using theological terms and it can seem a little bit heady. But as much as we are, we are supposed to know and understand things about God, Jesus reminds us that God is relational and as such can be experienced. And our acts of compassion are ways that other people can experience the God who is compassionate for themselves. Whether it be the person who is the recipient of our acts of compassion, our acts of kindness and generosity, or maybe it's the neighbor who is watching, who is seeing how our faith claims are being put into action. The compassion that we live is an invitation for others to see and respond to God. Our last point this morning Our acts of compassion become stories that can be shared. One time, Jesus is approached by by the leader of a a synagogue, a person who works as a leader of a synagogue, um, because his daughter has died. And in an act of faith, a moment of faith, maybe a moment of desperation, sometimes faith and desperation go hand in hand, this man goes to Jesus because he knows that Jesus can do something about this. And so in Matthew chapter 9, verse 23, we read this. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. I mean, can you blame them? They laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and he took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread throughout all. All that region. Yeah, this is one of those scenes where you're supposed to feel the emotion of what's happening here. Here we have somebody whose child has died, and there is a family that is in mourning. And all around this family are people who have gathered for the grief ritual, for the funeral, and in the minds of everybody who is there, there's nothing else that can be done. This is not just a hopeless situation. This, this situation's over. It's finished. And this is the moment where Jesus steps in. 
And he brings his compassion. And in, in this act of compassion of bringing this girl back, back to life, he is demonstrating how the life of the kingdom of God is bigger than the patterns of death that we just get used to and just assume are the way that they are. And Matthew says, all Matthew says about how people respond is, the news spread. It's an understatement. You bet the news spread. Can you imagine that? You'd be like talking to your friend and be like, oh yeah, and do you remember that funeral that I was at last week? That little girl that died next town over my cousin's, well, uh, she's alive and she's coming over for a play date with my kids. Like, that's a story that would be told over and over and over again because it just defies our understanding of how things are, the usual way of things. It tells a story about how Jesus can do things that just seem absolutely and utterly impossible, things that are just mind-boggling. And in the process, more and more people became aware of Jesus. You know, one of the things that seems to be lacking in our world is genuine compassion. And as we follow Jesus and as we seek to allow his compassion to become a part of our lives, one of the results will be is that our acts of compassion will become the stories that that are told to point other people to Jesus. I mean, my my neighbor was going through a really tough time. And the other neighbor, they, they were there all night. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but that was pretty cool. Or everybody from their church showed up at the, showed up at the visitation. That's strange. I wonder what's going on there. Are we aware of how our acts of compassion can point people to Jesus? I think often we forget that. You know, as followers of Jesus, our mission is to introduce uh, others, or introduce our neighbors to Jesus. There's no getting around that. That is our mission. Jesus gave that to us. But it seems to me that we have a choice in how we will express this mission. You know, will we be like a salesman who comes across as pushy, who gives us the sense that they have ulterior motives and maybe they don't have our best interest at heart? I know, that's an unfair characteristic of all salesmen. I get that. Apologies, Frank. (laughs) But we realize we don't tend to like these people, do we? When the people act like that, when they're pushy, when we know that there's ulterior motives at play, at work. But sometimes that's how we go about our mission as followers of Jesus. That's how we go about living that out. Or will we learn to allow our growing relationships with others, or growing relationship with Jesus to become a part of our relationship with others? Recognizing then Jesus' words that people will see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. You know, by allowing the compassion of Jesus to become a part of who we are, we will point people to Jesus in wonderful, natural, relational ways. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we again want to say thank you for the opportunity to gather like we have today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your life. Thank you that, that, Lord, you are doing things to, to bring about real and lasting kingdom change. And, Lord, thank you for the opportunities that we get to be a part of that. Lord, this morning we again recognize that we are in a world that more often than not reflects things that, that aren't honoring to you, that aren't a part of your life and aren't a part of your love. And, Lord, it feels challenging at times to know how we are to respond. Lord, would you... 
Invite us to get to know you in deep and wonderfully personal ways. Lord, that as we draw close to you, Lord, that you would transform our hearts and our minds, that the ways that we think, the ways that we, that we feel, the things that we prioritize would increasingly be reflecting of your love and your life. And Lord, that our relationships with others would change the result. Lord, that as your people, we would be known by, by love, by compassion, by our, our uh, commitment to justice and generosity. Lord, use us, to bring about, uh, use us to bring your kingdom into earth in a way that others can recognize and would step back and say, wow, what is that? And want to, join in, want, want to explore that for themselves. God, as we go into the week ahead, we ask that you would give us little glimpses of what you are doing, that we would see you in the big things and the small things, that we would have moments where we are quiet enough where we can hear you speak to us and direct our paths. In your name we pray, amen.